everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And so here's the thing. Star Wars, we're, we're in a little bit of a rough patch lately here on Lipstick yeah. and Lightsabers. Um, kind of embarrassing to be a Star Wars fan right now. It's, it's, the embarrassment is heightened by other franchises being good. Yes, yes. And, like, you know, we are kind of in a content drought right now. Um, There will be more High Republic stuff coming out in the summer, which we're really excited about. Um, But for right now, like, as you've seen, we've been talking about a lot of, like, 80s movies. And with this episode, we are going to be kicking off a Marvel series that we'll kind of pick up here and there as we go on um, called (laughs) Marvel and Mascara. So that's exciting. Or Mascara and Marvel. I don't know. Which way sounds better? Mascara and comments. Marvel. Mascara and Marvel, yeah. Um, but today we are going to be doing a spotlight on Wanda Maximoff because she is amazing. WandaVision just wrapped up. We have been so invested in that, so we wanted to talk about it a little bit. This is not going to be like an exhaustive podcast episode about all of her appearances, all of her history. We just want to talk about why this character is so amazing and, like, why she really resonated with us. Yeah, mostly about her character and her growth and her development is what we're interested in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, Before we get into that, if you want to support the show, uh, we do have a coffee account. We also have our shop with beautiful designs made by Alex. Um, Sometimes our stuff gets sniped by Disney, so grab what you can. Um, And as far as Rex go, um, a little-known movie uh, from Disney came out called Raya and the Last Dragon. It was amazing. (laughs) It was so good. It was... um, no spoilers, but the message is really nice, and yes. the animation was great, and Kelly Marie Chan killed it. She deserves the world. Like, she did so good. Yeah, and Gemma Chan, too. Okay, so, like, this is, if you do not ship um, Raya and Namari, like, you're on the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> Like, listen, even Kelly Marie Tran ships it. Yeah, so, like, when I started watching this movie, I texted you or our, our group chat and was like, they have a Cal and Trilla vibe, like, from Fallen Order. So, Cal Kestis and Trilla, who is um, our um, Inquisitor in that game, um, they have that vibe like their fighting yes. sequences had that vibe and i was like yes like yeah i i like you know me i ship cal with marin but like there's obviously also the trilla cal ship and there's like obvious tension there too oh yes oh yes well and like in ryan the last dragon like again no spoilers but they are very much a like a childhood friends to enemies to lovers and that yeah. is just such a, such a great trip. Yeah, I think the one thing that would have maybe, like, I would have liked it even more is if they had a bit of a, more of a friendship when they were kids. Yeah, if they'd, like, I, known each I, other more. I, yeah, I, I would have, um, I mean, like, I'm not a storyteller or anything, but, like, if they had kind of grown up, like, seeing each other every once in a while. I know, like, in, in the beginning of the movie, Raya's dad brings all these groups together for the first time in, like, a very long time. But I think it would have been really interesting to have them maybe once a year, like, these 
these groups coming together. So like every year they would like grow up and like be friends until that eventual turn. Cause like, I think it have like, I wanted them to have like a relationship for a while before the turn happened. You're making me think of the Swan Princess. Exactly, Shannon. <laughs> exactly. Like their summers, they would spend every summer together. Oh my god. Oh you're, my god. You, yeah, you're onto that. That's exactly yes. the trope. That is, that is the trope I'm looking for. That is for. the trope. Like that's what I want. They grow up together, and then like one fateful day, they're grown, and like Namari just comes in, and it's like, wow. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And now I'm now I'm thinking about the song, the song <gasps> yeah. from Swan Princess. I know Ryan was a Swan musical. Princess is such a bop. <laughs> it um the tropes, the, the tropes. Oh, so so good. So yeah, like I mean, if you haven't watched Raya, like it's so freaking good. Like I know you said that the the animation was a little bit like okay. I so like. This is just, like, a, a style opinion, I think, like, because obviously the animation was really good. But I found it felt like Clone Wars Season 7 at a point, and I've talked about this on, on this podcast on our Clone Wars episode, that I found, like, because they, they mo-capped uh, the fight sequences for Ahsoka and Maul. And I didn't think it fit in with the rest of the animation because it's a lot more cartoony and um like simple and like the thing with mocap is it captures every little tiny subtle movement and it was weird watching these cartoony designs have that mocap feel to them that they were having these like micro acting expressions and like stuff like that mm-hmm. that's what, i think that's what cuz cuz you see that kind of thing in video games but then again those designs aren't cartoony they're they're realistic yeah i i still don't really pick up on it i know what you mean though about like the micro like the micro expressions Mm -hmm. because there was a scene with raya and her dad when they're just like talking yeah i know exactly i I really noticed it then (laughs) i i really noticed it on her dad I was like, he is a very appealing cartoony design, but he is moving like a real person and it is a little uncanny. I'm just laughing because I was like, is that your way of saying that he's a hot dad? Oh, an yeah. Appealing like, I mean, design. Like, he, I, appealing design is just like something you, you would say in an animation. Like, appeal yeah. is one. Appeal is actually one of the 12 principles of animation. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> like, well, well. We'll talk about hot, hot Raya dad. I mean, he's great. Like, <laughs> add him to the list of hot dads. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we both highly recommend Raya. Um, we also have A Court of Silver Flames, which Alex, as of right now, is almost done with. But already, we both recommend this really, really highly. Yeah, I should finish it today. It's, um, it's really good. Mm-hmm. I was telling you this, I have 70 pages left, but I think it's my favorite book in the Avatar series. I, I, I don't know if it's my favorite, favorite Sarah book because I really like Crescent City also, but for very different reasons. They are very, very different books. I, I agree um, with that. Yeah. So it's hard to compare them because of how different they are. Um, so A Court of Silver, Silver Flames is about Nesta, which is a spinoff 
a spinoff book from like Farah's journey. And I think Ness is a lot more interesting than Farah is as a main character. There is so much to dig into like trauma wise and just like she walks around with the shell and you're like slowly chipping at her through like the 700 pages. Yes. I I think um, when it comes to Sarah J. Moss, she can write really like she can do like a lot of like really good plot with a lot of good character work. Um, But then she Mm -hmm. also writes like books that are slower paced because they're just about grief. And I would say like that would be Air of Fire, um, A Court of Mist and Fury, Tower of Dawn. Um, This book took the best things from those books about grief and like just elevated it, in my opinion. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. And like we were talking about this off air, but there's a lot of smut in this book. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, but it serves a purpose. It's it really does serve her character development and like and who she is going through this book. It's like it's so well done without spoilers. Like it's great. Obviously, if you're going to read this book, read the others first. Like read. Yeah. (laughs) Read. I wouldn't I wouldn't just go into Nessa's story without getting Pharaoh's first. Yeah, I don't think it would mean as much um, without yeah. knowing. Because Nesta goes on quite a journey in the background um, in those first three books. Because she goes from being mm-hmm. like that petty, mean older sister to kind of yeah. learning why she is the way she is. It's definitely mentioned in this book. Yes. But you're not actually getting the emotional like resonance yeah. from yeah. it. I- it's like it's brought up. It's brought up how she is in those books, but it's not. It doesn't hit as hard. No. Well, and like the big emotional climax in like A Court of Mist and Fury and in A Court of Wings and Ruin for Nesta, like she talks about it, but like you need to experience it in those books because it's just like it just the way it hits is great. Yeah. Um, and I would say when it comes to the smut, like this is this is a new adult book. This is not YA. The other ones are YA. Um, so know that content warning going in. Um, for Nesta's story, and, like, normally in books, you have a lot of tension, and, like, it builds and builds and builds, and then it, the tension breaks when they have sex for the first time. And for Nesta, what is building is emotional tension. Like, you have sexual yeah. tension, too, but it's, they, that allows there to be more smut scenes until the emotional tension mm-hmm. is broken. Yeah, because, like, we, both of us, normally when we read fanfic Mm -hmm. we lose interest (laughs) after they have sex unless there is angst that happens right after that so because there is still so much emotional turmoil going on in nesta is why it works for us and that is why the only like the only smut scene that i was like this is unnecessary in this book is the one after the emotional tension break i was like i don't that one i skimmed Mm -hmm. but otherwise they all worked. <laughs> um, so that's that. They're very hot. They're very hot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Listen, Sarah J. Moss has been, like, unleashed. <laughs> yeah, okay, this is not, like, a, a book that parents should read, so this is, like, oh my god. Yeah, I read, like, most of this book at work. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done that with Sarah J. Moss a lot, because her books were so long, but it's just, it's just funny to me. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I am, like, not passing this book off to any adult in my life. I don't know. He's gonna try to take it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but moving into something um, complete opposite of the spectrum. Um, so I got the seven-day free trial of um, Apple TV just so that Alex and I could watch Cherry because of Tom Holland. <laughs> um, we don't recommend Cherry. <laughs> It's two hours and 20 minutes. I'm never getting back. And that is saying so much because we are such big Tom yeah. Holland fans. Like, like we would, like, I can't, like, I mean, we finished this movie. Oh, yeah. If not for him, I probably would not have finished Because it's it. just, it's so pretentious. It is so... It, guys, we have, we have passed the need for Russo Brothers yeah, films. We don't need this anymore. Like, it was just, like, Tom, like, listen, it, if anybody deserves anything, like, Tom does deserve an award because his acting was so great in this movie. Um, was it a good movie, though? No. Like, does it need to be recognized for anything? No. Except yeah. for his acting. No. <laughs> but, like, but even then, like, he he definitely doesn't even have a chance no. at an, an award because of how much of a mess yeah it was. was just it was just a mess and like sierra bravo was great too yes they have so much chemistry yeah they they acting like together they have so much chemistry you can tell that these actors like are really great together so i would like to see them in another movie together yes. with a better script yes. better writers <laughs> um, better directors better pacing yes like they're great the movie was horrid like it was <laughs> Like, listen, I know a lot of people don't like <laughs> Devil all the time, but, like, we did like Devil all the time. We do. We do yeah. like Devil yeah, all the time. Yeah, I liked it. it was, I think it was, like, that, I felt like it was more aware of the fact that it was, like, you know, this dumb, gritty storyline, whereas Cherry thinks it's, like, really doing something. <laughs> oh, the whole, the difference is that Cherry takes itself way more way seriously. seriously. Uh, you'd yeah, you'd never have Robert Pattinson saying delusions and Cherry without and without um, a vocal coach for the accent. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's delusions. all beside the point. Um, so since I got the seven day trial, um, I watched Wolf Walkers, which Alex recommended, and it's an animated movie. Um, it's like a, it's from Irish animators. Yeah, it's from Cartoon Saloon, yeah. who did Song of, Song of the Sea. Yeah, it was so good. It was about mm -hmm. um, this girl who basically becomes like a werewolf. They call them wolf, wolf walkers. Um, her father is one of the hunters. The town is like trying to, you know, take down the forest. And yeah. it was just really good. The music was beautiful. The animation was beautiful. And like... I, I haven't watched any like behind the scenes of this movie, but to me it looked like they used hybrid animation. They used like Toon Boom Harmony, which what is what I'm versed in. But they also did a lot of hand drawn, like especially like the character's hair mm -hmm. was like hand drawn and so fluid and so beautiful. And the character designs were so intuitive and organic and like shape driven, like very shape driven. Mm -hmm. I, I just is. It's so good. It's a movie I'll revisit because, like, I think there's a lot like to come back to in it, like on rewatch. I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, like not. Ju it was like so great story wise, but I also think like as like to what you're saying, like it was really a celebration of like animation 
I felt like it, mm-hmm. cause, you know, like with Disney and Pixar, like they've gotten like so good and like so precise and like so lifelike. And like this movie is like completely the opposite. It, it was very like you could tell like what was drawn and what wasn't. And the colors were just so beautiful. And mm-hmm. I, I just I really loved the story between um, Robin and Maeve. Like it was it was just really yeah. great. Their their personalities were so different. But, like, you could see how they, like, kind of fit as friends. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then, the, like, I'm not going to spoil it, but the end was very sweet. Very nice. It was very, yeah. very sweet. I, mm-hmm. there it was a lot more emotional. Like, I mean, I was expecting it to be emotional just because I had heard from you. But, it, like, if I was just going into it, I it was a lot more emotional than, like, I would, I would have expected from, like, what it looked like. Yeah. Like, I just everything was hit out of the park in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like... We, um, we had, like, the, was it the Golden Globes, like, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and, and, like, the animation award was coming up, and I'm, like, everyone's, like, oh, yeah, like, Soul's gonna win, Soul's gonna win. I'm, like, guys, I watched Wolf Walkers, and it was really <laughs> good, too. I'm, like, I, like, I love Soul, but I was also, like, kind of rooting for Wolf Walkers, because I felt like they're the underdog, but they're also, like, just as good of, of a movie. But yeah, but Soul won, which I'm very happy about. Like, yeah. Soul is awesome. Like, Soul was great, but like, I also agree. Like, you know, Pixar's a behemoth, and Wolfwalkers was like really <laughs> doing something. So, <laughs> um, as for the last bit of news, um, Victory's Price by Alexander Freed is out. This is the last book in the Alphabet Squadron series. Um, we are not going to be covering this book on this channel. Um, but if you want to hear some folks talk about it, um, our friends Brad and Sarah on Friends of the Force really loved the story. They are really into um, all of these characters, and they are planning, I don't know if they've already done it, a huge episode about it. So you can definitely go check that yeah. out. Yeah, and they um, they interviewed Alex Freed last week, so I think that episode is already out by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's definitely, if you're wanting to hear about that, there is definitely content for that. We just won't be covering it on this channel. Okay, so with that, it's time to dive into some Marvel. <laughs> Look at us. What's a Marvel? Look at us. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Um, I I feel like up until WandaVision, I feel like we were people who watched Marvel and like were fans, but like I would have casually, never called myself very a Marvel casually. fan. Yeah, very casual. Mm-hmm. Extremely casually. I mean, both of us would go see the movies oh, yeah. opening weekend. Before this, we were we were like very into Captain Marvel because it, it was it was different. It was a different story. It was definitely a heroine's journey, very like within Carol. So it was different, and it spoke to us because of how we feel about the heroine's journey and the Last Jedi, and it. And we're big Brie Larson fans too. So that was our fandom i think captain marvel and like i obviously also love black yeah, panther i was gonna say too and guardians um, of the galaxy ant-man and the wasp oh yeah mm-hmm. like like i feel like it started to pick up more for both of us as we were moving into like i don't know what phase that is like phase three um, um I, after far from home like we obviously both got into far from home <laughs> that is <laughs> um, different but to me it is different because it's sony mm-hmm. so like even though like there's this joint partnership between sony and disney it is still a little bit separate it's not as um in like watching the the sony spider-man movies 
doesn't make me feel like I should go and watch like other Marvel yeah. movies. You know what? But that's a good thing sometimes that 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 it is separate and you don't feel like you're losing out on anything by watching yeah. Far From Home. Like you don't need. I think you can even watch Far From Home without seeing Homecoming and like it's still good. <laughs> Far From Home is just like in a league all its own. <laughs> <laughs> Though we're we're saying this now, but the third Spider-Man movie is gonna like you're gonna need so much info going into yeah, that. Yeah, no, there's gonna be so much. <laughs> it's gonna be so involved with the Phase yeah. Four, like not even just Phase Four, like going back to the old Spider-Mans, like Tobey Maguire and, yeah. and and Andrew Garfield. I haven't seen those Spider-Mans in so long. <laughs> Yeah, I rewatched the first two Tobey Maguire ones pretty recently. And I do say, like, they are so early 2000s. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 feels like the Marvel version of Attack of the Clones, like, to a T. That's amazing. Like, the romance, like, the romance writing, writing, like, feels very George Lucas, and I loved it. That's like, amazing. Like, I, like... It's so great. <laughs> I I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, like we were definitely, you know, more drawn to Spider-Man, like to Black Panther. We were mm -hmm. into the Wasp, that kind of thing. Um, and we knew, like, I remember when WandaVision was announced and I was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, like, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about Wanda. I... Yeah. I, re I had never seen Ultron until very recently. And obviously that's like the Wanda and Vision mm -hmm. movie. Um, but I do yeah. remember, and I only saw like Civil War once and I was kind of like, okay. But I, I do remember watching Infinity War and seeing Wanda and Vision in that and going, oh. Yes. Italicized <laughs> O. <laughs> the only O I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I saw Ultron in theaters, like, I guess, like, probably opening weekend. I think I went with my cousin and my uncle. And I came out of that movie, like, not really liking it and being, like, I like the first Avengers a lot more than that. Like, it felt a lot more cohesive to me. But, like, superhero movies were a lot different back then in, like, that was 2012. Yes. So that was before Guardians of the Galaxy, which... I believe Guardians of the Galaxy changed a lot of things for the genre. So, like, before that, there was very, like, much of um, a way of doing it. And then, like, Guardians broke barriers and made it easier for other kinds of styles and movies to come in. So, yeah. So, Ultron was fine. Whatever, whatever. But then Infinity War happened. And both of us, I would say I'm an Infinity War fan. I like, no, I I agree yeah. with you. I, Infinity War <laughs> is actually an enjoyable movie to watch. It's it's my I think it's my favorite Russo movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean that's not a hard thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think it's probably my favorite Avengers movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because like I um for Wandavision and also it it had a lot to do with like we we went back and watched Thor too. Um, so, like, I went back and I rewatched all the Avengers movies, and then I picked up, like, um, Winter Soldier, and we watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, m my mom watches this stuff with me, and so we both kind of wanted to have, like, uh, we wanted that knowledge to be a little bit fresher. And I would definitely agree with you that Guardians of the Galaxy changed everything, because, like, you know, like, the first two Thors, the first two Avengers, they're kind of, like, 
whatever. They're very generic superhero movies. And you can definitely see that shift after yeah. Guardians to being more fun, more, you know, te- they're, they're telling more jokes. It's more colorful. There's more music. And I do think that you see that as they start to, like, highlight Wanda as well. Like, I don't, she starts to stand out more and more, and it's not just because, like, her hair is getting redder, but, like, she just starts to have more of, like, a shape, and I do wonder if that would have ever happened if it had stayed those formulaic superhero films. Yeah, because I I do think that, like, the superhero genre has gone through a lot in the 2000s, because I think even before guardians i would say like the incredibles yeah changed it too and then the incredibles made it into like made avengers into what it was when it came out too and i think that a lot of people don't talk about that the incredibles having such a big like influence Mm -hmm. and i also think like people forget about big hero six also and that was before guardians i yes i agree with you there like big hero six definitely has that like colorful superhero-y like team up type of thing which is really and, fun like, the humor yes. is like new um but people forget about it for people forget that's marvel i i know i i wish that they would incorporate big hero six more Baymax. like into the parks and like everything yes because <laughs> it's just it, it is so so good and, like, yeah, Stan Lee has a cameo in that movie, too, like everything else. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it really did start to change, like, over the years. And I think you could even say, like, you can tell how nobody was prepared for that shift because, like, DC couldn't keep up. It, it took them a lot longer. Yeah. And I think it's because they were trying to be Marvel. And it, I want to say that they're, like, figuring it out. Um I feel like Birds of Prey has been, like, the best indicator that maybe they're starting to get it. Mm I, like, I'm not in the, like, you know a lot more about DC than I do. I have not, like, I, like, I I don't know anything. I will go see movies that people recommend. Like, like, I I saw Wonder Woman. I saw Birds of Prey because everyone was buzzing about how great they were. Mm -hmm. I did not see 1984. Oh yeah, don't um, watch 1984. Because because people said it wasn't worth it. Yeah, so I haven't not. seen that. Um, I'm trying to think of if I've seen anything else. I saw The Joker and hated, did not like it. Well, see, like, that's the thing, too. I haven't watched a lot of the, the films because I got really enriched in, like, the, the shows. So, like, yeah. the films don't hit the same. But I feel like the shows kind of do take those notes from Marvel and kind of, like, add that humor in a little bit more. Um, but this is kind of all a roundabout way to say um, mm-hmm. Wanda kind of slowly started to to get more and more time, I think, as the film started to shift. Because when we see her in Ultron, yeah. she is very different. Um, her powers are very different. I feel like a lot of people were kind of confused by her when she first mm-hmm. kind of came into everything. Because this was kind of, like, a little bit of an introduction into, like, mutants, which I've never, like, specifically talked about. I think they talked about it in, like, maybe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and then the other thing is how confusing 
that the X-Men universe is separate, but Wanda is still a mutant. So I think that is confusing. Yes. I, so I pulled some information. Um, I was basically, I got most of this from Wikipedia, um, but I was looking on the Scarlet Witch page and then her Marvel Cinematic Universe page. And it is very confusing just because, you know, Marvel Comics has run for such a long time. So like things get Mm -hmm. shaken up, things change. That happens with DC too. Um, But it said that the Scarlet Witch and her twin brother Quicksilver debuted as part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants in X-Men number four uh, in March of 1964. They were were depicted as reluctant villains, only wanting safety from persecution and uninterested in the team leader Magneto's plans for global domination. So that sounds to me kind of like they were a little bit of like a like an anti-hero type of situation. Not really evil, Mm -hmm. but definitely just trying to like i think just like the the public painted them as villains yes i i think so too and i I do think that um our mcu wanda has retained that um you see that in civil war especially you know people are very afraid of her she's trying to figure out how to use her powers um and as she's gone on in x-men like i i kind of skimmed through it and it's like she's good and then she's evil and then she's good and then she's evil and it's like I can see why they kept backtracking and making her the villain because she has a really cool set of powers. Like, she's very powerful. Yeah. So it makes sense to try to make her the villain. And it does kind of make me wonder about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and how we're going to see her there. I do have to appreciate the MCU's decision-making in terms of taking and leaving what's good and bad from the comics. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, they have a lot of um, freedom to take and leave what they want, which, for some reason, Star Wars fans throw their arms up about yeah. about Legends and, old, like, all of the stuff before the acquisition. Marvel has been around just as long, like, longer, I mean, than Star Wars, yet, for some reason, there is more trust in the MCU that they can make decisions that are not comic-based. Yeah. Yeah, and I do wonder where that comes from, right? Because it's like, people love these characters and expect so much from these characters just as much as Star Wars. And part of me wonders if it is because it's from the comics, and comics, like, that's kind of the nature of the beast, that they do kind of change and retcon and do a lot of stuff. Yeah, and they have multiverses. Yeah. And that doesn't exist. Yeah. But I I do think, though, like, one thing Marvel has going for them is that they have done a really good job of making everything feel very cohesive um, across multiple directors, across a lot of different things. Like, some style choices may change. Um, Probably the biggest thing you can notice with Wanda, especially, is, like, her costume. Um, Yeah. Like, I would say her final form that we have seen her in has been, like, the best one yet i feel like yeah there's so much more care though put into her character yeah right now than it was like how many years ago now like nine years ago yeah so i mean like you know things do kind of come and go but I, I think when it came to the story they have managed to keep it all very like you know i went i like i said i went back and i watched all this stuff and it all fits there aren't really any like plot holes um, whereas sometimes you do see that with Star Wars, where it's like, oh, this feels weird because they went in a different direction, or, like, you can kind of explain it away this way, but, like, 
Yeah. With Marvel, it, it does know feel planned. You what probably is? What? Because Marvel's linear. That is also true. Because apart from Captain Marvel, it is linear. Like, they, they have told the story in order. That is, that is true. Yeah, one, and they, they let them come out in that order, too. Like, just one right after mm-hmm. the other. Um, mm-hmm. Which does make it easy to follow. Um, and I do like that on Disney+, Plus they have it, they have an option to watch them in, like, chronological order, which is basically the same as release order. It, it just, like, it puts Captain Marvel in the front, and it, like, switches around oh. a couple of other things. Okay. But um, that way you can see it from, like, literally you know, Captain America all the way through, throughout the timeline. Um, That's really fun. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it that way, just to see what it's like. <laughs> um, but when they cast Elizabeth Olsen, um, which I actually thought was interesting, they almost cast um, Shearsha Ronan. Um, like, she was oh. in talks to be... She would have been very young at the time. She would have been. Well, and I mean... How, like, she's, she's born the same year as me. Yeah. So, in... It, Ultron was 20... Yeah. What, she, what year was 20, 2012. So that would have been, like, so right out of high school. she would have been 18. Mm-hmm. I know. And they, I mean, they do act like, um, like Wanda and Pietro are pretty young. Um, but that was, that would have been such a different feel, I almost feel like. Yeah, like, imagine all the people up in arms about Paul Bettany and Sersha. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> Um, and that might also be another reason why they went with an older actress, because it is clear, um, especially from the comics and into the movies, that, like, Wanda and Vision is, like, you can't tell one's story without the other. Like, they are the, it is their story. Um, so, like, you know, they couldn't have even made Ultron without introducing Wanda at some point, because if you're gonna make the Vision, you have to do Wanda and vice versa, which was... Very interesting. I I had no idea about that. But Elizabeth Olsen said in regards to how she saw Wanda's character was that she felt overly stimulated instead of, like, mentally insane. So, like, you know, more... It's, like, more of, like, an anxious thing. It's more of, like, a... Like, an in-your-head type of thing. You can't... There's too much input going on. Um, And that she has this huge amount of knowledge that she's unable to like learn she can't control her powers because of the way they were given to her um no one has ever taught her how to control anything she doesn't know how to connect to this world because she can see parallel worlds at the same time so like there's just like so much going on for her and i i really like that because it adds to where we see her in wandavision where we see her go through that grief we see her go through all those stages because she sounds like somebody to me who has like intense anxiety and like intense PTSD and like doesn't know how to handle and little by little throughout the movies you do see her getting better and Vision helps that and it's amazing that they actually took it all the way through and helped her heal so that she could you know start to be like the real like the true version of herself. Um, She also said that in regards to her character, in so many superhero films, n- emotions are negated. And for Wanda, um, she feels everything that, other, like, everybody else is feeling. So where for others, emotions aren't really, like, a thing. You see that in Captain Marvel. Like, you're not supposed to have emotions. Um, for Wanda, like, she just feels everything all the time. Yeah. Like, well, a mantis does, too. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool 
power to introduce, I feel like, because mm-hmm. I, to me, like, you can't be evil if you can, like, if you're so in touch with, like, other people's pain. Yeah, she's, like, the empathy. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see that when she creates Westview. They all feel her pain all the time. Mm-hmm. And at least for Monica, that was enough to be like, look, like, she's not evil. She's not trying to hurt anybody. She's just in a lot of pain. So we talked about um, Ultron. I do like in Civil War, that's when you get the domestic Wanda and Vision, (laughs) which is just really cute. And a lot of that movie, I mean, is kind of centered around, like, Wanda doesn't want to be anybody's weapon she's very she's kind of the reason why the like accords and all that kind of stuff gets kicked off because she accidentally blows up a building like yeah she just wants to know how to control her powers and be her own person yeah but then you see in wandavision later on that vision is the one that becomes someone's weapon or they want to create them into a weapon that's so interesting that like they really share that and in Infinity War, like, that's what, what they wanted was just a life for themselves, like, away from everybody mm-hmm. else. They weren't beholden to anybody. They weren't anybody's weapon. They just wanted to be with each other. Just wanted to um, build their house in New Jersey. That's all they wanted. Jeez. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, that destroyed me. <laughs> The deed yeah. destroyed me. I just, like, <laughs> that whole episode, seeing how she, like, you get to unpack fully all of her trauma and see everything that happened to her. And you see, that like, how she created the hex and everything. And it was, you know, she didn't want to do, she didn't, she didn't mean to do it. She didn't steal Vision's body to rebuild him. Like, she just wanted to bury him. And it's just he bought this land for her. Like, he was gonna build her a house so that they could just be together. And that got taken from her. And if you had told me, like, a year ago, or I don't even know when, that Marvel was gonna give me this type of story, I wouldn't have believed you. Marvel gave us the type of story that we needed from the rise of Skywalker. Yes. Like Marvel healed us from Ray's story ending the way it did. Yeah. Which is crazy to think. Like you go back to January of 2020, tell yourself, like, I know it hurts right now, but Marvel's going to heal you. Yeah, I wouldn't have believed. I was like, what? <laughs> I just, like, could you, so, like, if you imagine this in, like, the guise of, like, The Rise of Skywalker. So, like, that movie ends with Rey going to the homestead and she buries the sabers and, like, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you put that in the context of WandaVision, that would be, like, Wanda going to, like, Tony Stark's house. Burying vision there, and and her not allow not being allowed to have any emotions, and like we said earlier, Wanda is the size of her and Mantis are like the most emotionally attuned characters in the MCU, mm-hmm. and 
Rey, I would say, in The Last Jedi, you could compare her to those characters and say she was very, very emotionally in tune, like, with herself. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't in The Rise of Skywalker. And that's really what caused the wound, mm-hmm. I think. I Yeah, it, it was that she was, like, completely stunted. She was, like, cut off at the knees. Yeah. And, like, I, I would say that in The Rise of Skywalker, she kind of reminds me of like, Carol Danvers, like, she's so angry, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she she really just, like, leads with her emotions and, like, yeah. you know, punch first, ask questions later kind of person. And that movie ends with her being, like, I don't have to prove myself to you. Like, yeah, I, this exactly. is how I am. Like, Carol's whole character development revolves around that. Where... Ray, like, she did, like, the opposite character journey. Like, she ended where Carol began. Yeah. And it makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, that's definitely, like, what, like, starts that. And, like, I never would have thought that, like, especially Marvel, but, like, even how media is going in general, that, like, we would have gotten this, you know, extensive, you know, like, what, nine, ten hours of really going into, like, this grief and, like, letting women deal with this pain and, like, not just, you know, excusing it and, like, putting on a smile. It's like, no, like, she is upset. She has lost everything. She has never in her life had a home or felt safe or, you know, like, anytime she finally thinks she finds it, it's taken away from her. Like, you know, in Infinity War, she had to watch Vision die twice. Like... It's just, of course she was messed up. And, like, I think if you had gone from where you see her in Endgame, like, straight into, like, Doctor Strange and, like, have her be the villain, it's, like, what a shame, you know? Because then you would just be like, oh, she's she's evil, she's, you know, a woman who is scorned, and then they would have either just, like, killed her or somebody would have explained away her pain and... In this, you get to see her truly heal from it. So I think we can kind of start talking about, like, the the stuff that WandaVision sets up. Um, but I do want to say before that, um, apparently there were talks with Endgame to have Wanda not get snapped. Um, but they decided to scrap it because there wasn't really anything for her to do in that second movie. And... It always hits me in Infinity War how relieved she looks when she gets snapped. Yeah. Like, that's that's pretty heavy. It's, like, to say that there was nothing for her to do, or, like, what does that mean? Does that just mean that they don't know how to write her? I think it's because, like, with Endgame, like, and that's part of the reason why I think Endgame's kind of boring, because it's all, like, main cast Avengers. It's like the old guard Avengers. And it's because it has to like wrap up all of their stories. Yeah. So like you can't you, there's probably wasn't I mean they they almost didn't have room to do I say almost. They did not have room to even wrap up like you know Black Widow's story but they tried to anyway. Um, like that was the Steve and Tony show. So I, I am yeah. glad that they didn't try to rush something or put something in there with her because she like WandaVision is exactly what she needed I can't imagine her getting less time 
than what she gets in WandaVision because it's just it's so yeah. much for her to go through. I and and if you think about Endgame, like kind of like the closing of that old story model, you're taking out Tony and Steve, you're taking out um, Black Widow, you're kind of closing a chapter on that kind of like old way of doing things, which is good. Yeah. I think is very good because now you're opening up your story to tell much more like progressive storytelling and much more like interesting. Yeah. Now that the characters that were first first set up with a different kind of storytelling in mind are now gone. Mm-hmm. Well, and everything's now is about passing the torch to like yeah. you know like we're about to get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's going to be passing the Captain America torch. We're going to see yeah. the Hawkeye torch get passed. I'm excited for, for <laughs> the the girl. I can't remember her name. <laughs> but otherwise, um, otherwise I don't she's care. She's from Bumblebee. Yeah, otherwise I don't Haley care about Steinfeld. that. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. You have Apple TV free trial. I have not yet, like, watched it all, but she has a show on there. Really? Okay, maybe I will yeah. watch it. I almost, I almost like went ahead and canceled it. It's called it. Dickinson. Try watching that show. I, I need to get back into mm. it too. That's just a reminder. Anyways, yeah. So, um, Haley Steinfeld's on that show, and Florence Pugh is on that show. Oh, okay. Because she's gonna be her character from the Black Widow movie in Hawkeye. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm really see. Like the only reason I'm interested in the Black Widow movie is because of Florence. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm into that. Okay. I'm 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 into that. But yeah, like everything's about passing the torch, like um even we're gonna see like a new Thor and like all that kind of stuff. So I agree. Like it it's good that it was like a closing a chapter and like I what I liked about Infinity War was getting to see like you get to see the Guardians interact with Thor and like all that fun stuff, but like they didn't have room for that in Endgame. So, like, it does make sense. Getting into WandaVision. So, like, what was cool about the show is that it, it told the stages of grief. And I remember when people realized this, the panic was, I'm afraid of acceptance and I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they did two episodes per stage, mm-hmm. right? Or, no, because there was nine episodes. So, I guess it was one episode for, for acceptance. Yeah. It was, um, so, like, you had denial with everything in black and white, um, and then you get anger when it's in the 70s, and bargaining was the 80s, and I think bargaining also goes into, like, the Halloween episode. Depression was the Modern Family-esque, and then you finally get acceptance at the end. Because mm-hmm. I, I just remember, like, the big fear with WandaVision, and, like, we were both really nervous about this, was, are they gonna stick the landing? Like, are they gonna tell this amazing story, and are (laughs) they gonna actually be able to end it in a good way? But, I mean, like, I have trust issues from Lucasfilm. So, like, all this doubt stemmed from Lucasfilm. 100%. And, I mean, like, I guess a little bit Endgame, because, like, neither of us are, like, big Endgame fans, but, like, I don't have any stakes in Endgame. Like, it didn't... Me being a little bit disappointed in Endgame, like, didn't, like, put me into a depression, like, the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I kind of just was, like, 
we're living in this time where movies and TV shows go for shock value over meaningful endings. So I, I was worried. Well, I think the fear was like people were going to condemn her for feeling this way or you know she was just gonna lose it all in the end and it was gonna be like what was the point like it, it was very worrisome like what they were gonna do with it and like you know those trust issues have extended to like everything that i've consumed and like i think i, I can say that for both of us like it's just like yeah is it gonna end well i i don't know anymore yeah, like, it's it's really hard to, in like, watch, like, especially the TV series and try to enjoy it while still thinking about, oh, God, like, is this going to be worth the watch for me if I get completely destroyed by the ending? Yeah, is it going to kill, like... I, like, when I think about great endings that I've seen recently, there are not that many of them. There is WandaVision. There is Bly Manor. Yeah. And they both deal with grief in a very meaningful, very thoughtful, but, like, original type of way. I think that grief is something scary for creators to deal with because they don't know how to wrap it up. They don't know how to give that, like, semi-sweet mm-hmm. ending where there is, like, a conclusion and you're in the the viewer is satisfied yet still, like, sad, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, because, like, you, you talk about Bly Manor, like, that is definitely not, like, a sunshine rainbows happy ending, but it feels so fulfilling. Hopeful. It's hopeful. It's hopeful, fulfilling, hopeful, and WandaVision does yeah, the same WandaVision thing. Yeah, does the same thing. I would also say, like, this doesn't necessarily deal with grief, but, like, Revenge of the Sith, like, is a hopeful yeah. ending oh, yeah. in the darkness. Like, I mean, like, I would say that it ends with grief with Padme's death. Well, yeah. Death. Like, I mean, <laughs> the story itself, um, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it, it is scary watching content in 2021, like, thinking, like, is this going to do me dirty? Yeah. Like, is this going to be, like, worth all the hours I put into watching this mm-hmm. show? Yeah, because, like, it, could you imagine, like, if... If she just ended up being, like, some evil big bad in the end, like, lost everything once again and just becomes evil, whatever, like, that would completely... Nobody would rewatch the show. It would just die right there. Which, that's what happened to Game of Thrones. You know, nobody talks about Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh, you're so right. (laughs) No one talks about it anymore, and it used to be, like, the cultural, like, the center of every geek fandom. Like... Comic Con, like it was like the the showstopper. Yeah. Game of Thrones was like it. Like obviously, it had a lot of issues before the story started tanking. There were mm-hmm. things like very sexist, like things that were going on in the storyline. But there was a meaningful story happening, and then just one day there wasn't. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like. I, I remember watching that first season, that episode of the first, like, the last season at Celebration, and we were like... Celebration yeah, we together, like, yeah. This is kind of strange, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, wasn't that the episode that George Lucas, like, helped with? Oh, my God, was it? And, like, some of the romantic, like, dialogue was hilarious. Yeah, it was so awkward. I remember... <laughs> But I remember watching that episode, but still kind of enjoying yeah. it because it was the beginning of the season. I think it was the first it was, episode. It was. It was. And like, 
Um, it was just like so hokey. Like it was like really, really hokey. So like we were enjoying it because like that's yeah. happening and we thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, the end of that season was not satisfying. No one talks about Game of Thrones anymore. No one really even seems to care about the um, the spinoff mm-hmm. series. Like no one. No one's talking yeah. about it. And, like, I, I do wonder if you would see that happen with Star Wars. And I actually do think, like, I mean, obviously we're very much in the fandom. But I actually do think as a whole, like, with the general audience, because Rise of Skywalker ended the way it does, like, you don't hear people talk about it ever, really. I mean, like, obviously yeah. we're in a fandom space. So, like, we see it a lot more. But I, I do think unless it's the Mandalorian, like, a lot of general audience just don't really like think about it um and like that's what happens when you you know you you can't make that landing and that's also why i think we are drawn to stories like a court of silver flames like it is so like the way you feel when nesta like breaks down at the lake and like tells cassian everything and like comes clean like the way you feel when she picks herself up again and, like, defends her friends, like, that's what you want, you know? Like, that's what makes you feel good. Because it's, like, I think we've all been through grief and, like, we've all had those, like, really Mm -hmm. dark times, like, those really depressive times. And, like, the last thing you want to hear is that, like, there's no hope for you, you know? Like, you want to have those endings. I also go into reading a Sarah J Mass book with a lot more trust. Oh yeah. I feel like I can open myself up to one of her books and not worry about that. Yeah. Like is she a perfect writer? No. But I know that like she understands like an emotional journey for a character that at the end of that I'm not gonna be completely broken because she took the character in a completely unemotional out of character direction Mm -hmm. well and like i would also say like she as an author believes in happy endings um which i hope stays true for her like adult writing um i won't say anything about the end of a quarter several frames since you are so close to it um but i i do wonder about that with crescent city um if that's gonna have like that big sweeping ending that um like, Kingdom of Ash has. Like, I know everybody was so afraid with Kingdom of Ash that, you know, everybody was gonna die and, like, all the stuff and, like... Except Fleetfoot. Except for Fleetfoot. Fleetfoot was gonna The guaranteed survive. survival. Um, and, like, I think it did make a lot of people mad that it, it, it was, like, quote-unquote unrealistic that, like, nobody died. I mean, one person died, but it didn't matter. Um, like, no, none of the main cast, like, really dies, and, like, it, it has, like, this big, beautiful, happy ending, coronation, pretty dresses, all that kind of stuff, and it's like, yeah, those characters deserved that ending. Like, <laughs> the reader deserved yeah. that ending. And going on this, like, to take it back to WandaVision, like, going on this emotional journey with Wanda... Like, the viewer deserves to see her, like, would I say she's happy? Start to Yeah, heal. like, would I say she's happy at the end? Not really, mm-hmm. but she's no. healing. She's on the road. Yeah. Like, you, as a writer, you break your audience, and then you yeah. heal them. Like, Alex and I talk about this all the time, because, like, we love angst, but it's like, you have to put us back together. <laughs> yeah. 
And like I know there's there's a huge section of the Raylo fandom who just wants to read mm-hmm. fluff. And I respect that, but it, that is not <laughs> me. Because like I like going to fiction to feel things that I don't necessarily want to feel in my mm-hmm. real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it's it's nice to escape and like feel that angst without trying to look for it in real life because I definitely don't do yeah. that. <laughs> I, I would say, like, part of the, the like, markers I use, like, when I re- review books is, like, did this make me feel something? And, like, that can be as simple as, like, I had fun reading this book or I this book made me frustrated because, like, to me, the worst thing a piece of media can do is make you feel absolutely nothing. Like, it just yeah. had no effect on you. It left no mark. You don't even remember it. Like... So, like, and I guess in that regard, you could say that, like, Rise of Skywalker, Game of Thrones did something, because it, it did ignite a lot of anger. It just did that, those emotions don't have a, a lot of staying power. Um, but it just, the way that that ending, I, I'll never get over the fact that, like, Monica, like, the fact that they gave, they put in a character specifically to say to Wanda, like, I understand you. Yeah. That is so And Ray important. never got that. Yes. Ray never got that. There was never... I And I think that's so important for anyone going through something, that there is someone to be there and be like, you know, like, I understand you. Like, I'm going through something similar. Or, like, it was so smart to put Monica mm-hmm. into this show. It was. So smart. The way she was and handled like, was just perfect. Just. Mm-hmm. I do think that, like, the finale could have used more Monica. Yeah. I think they, like, underutilized her because, like, we got into that huge battle sequence and she wasn't in it that much. So I think, like, she could have been in the finale a lot more. But, like, those first few episodes with Monica were so good. Well, and I think that what I liked too about the ending is that it does feel kind of open-ended like obviously we're we're handing off into like Doctor Strange we're gonna see her again, gonna see her again in Captain we're gonna Marvel. see Monica um, yeah but I I also think that it it leaves the door open for when Wanda and Monica see each other again I I think yeah. that's Aww. yeah I, I think that's gonna leave a lasting impression and, on her you know and you know like Wanda needs a friend yeah because like like Black Widow's gone. Yeah. Like, she needs a female friendship. Mm-hmm. And and I, I love that the person that's going to be her friend isn't just, like, a force, like, we just threw it in here. Like, no. Uh, like, like, Monica yeah. actually says to Wanda, like, if I were you, I would have, I would tear the world down to bring my mom back. Like, I understand mm-hmm. your pain. Like, that is so important. Yeah. And that is something that, like, we do not see enough of characters who sympathize. I'm so impressed that Marvel is doing this. Like, out of anyone, out of anyone showing, like, such a meaningful, like, I, I, obviously these two characters still don't know each other very Mm -hmm. well, but they're laying the groundwork to make a really strong friendship between them. And I hope they, like, we see that through. And, like, listen, okay, like, I want... I want I'm, I want White Vision to like have all his memories and like go back to Wanda and for them to live happily ever after. But like if that didn't happen, I would be totally okay with Wanda and Monica. Like that would also be great. <laughs> that's very true. But, yeah, that um, that's actually happening. I don't. I'm not gonna like spoil Lee Bardugo's books, except 
for the fact that you shouldn't you shouldn't <laughs> read them but um that is kind of <laughs> happening like in king of scars and i was like there's like this new ship inter- be- being introduced because one half of the ship kind of went away and i was like i still miss this old ship but like fine i'll take it <laughs> you can't trust her no though. i know i do not i am fully expecting to be let down by rule of wolves yeah i'm fully like, expecting she it she is like Leopard Dugo is the opposite of Sarah J. Mass. I will not put any trust no, into no, no, that no, no, woman. No, 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 no. I like. I can't like feel comforted. Here's the thing. This is like <laughs> such an aside. This is such a tangent. Like, okay, imagine a world where Rule of Wolves, which is the follow up to King of, King of Scars, is like actually good. And like, if that's the case. I would actually recommend reading King of Scars without reading anything else because I don't think you need it. But <laughs> okay, like, and like here's the thing: I haven't read any of her stuff, yeah. but from you and from other people, yeah. I know that she's a good writer in the sense of world building and like other things. She just has some views that we don't agree with, and I will not let her. Yeah, hurt don't me. let. Yeah, don't be me. Listen, <laughs> I I live in this clown makeup. <laughs> don't let her hurt you. <laughs> um, but kind of like another side of that too about like having that person um and I said I wasn't going to talk about Victory's Price and I'm not really going to talk about it but that was my big (laughs) issue with that book is that Chast does not have that person and that it just yeah like doesn't have her Monica yeah she doesn't have her Monica she doesn't have her Thane she doesn't have you know that character who like reached out that hand and been like you know like I understand you and like I want to help you but we've yeah, we've talked about that, and I think that's a free issue I, yeah. that can just, like, hit things that are important to him in books aren't necessarily what's important to <laughs> yeah. us in books. Yeah. So it's just not for no, us. No, it's just not for us. Like, whew, I, I cannot imagine, I like, I cannot believe that we got this this beautiful character who has dealt with so much trauma. She's dealt with so much grief. She's dealt with so much anxiety. She's dealt with so much stress. And that final moment where she lets go and you know vision goes away um and they say that you know they'll see each other again like that is that was like my fulfilling my wildest dreams (laughs) your spirit running across the screen you know like i i never (laughs) i never in a million years thought that we'd get something like that and now that you've said it, and, like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, the only thing I can really think compare it to is probably Bly Manor. Yeah. Because even though both endings are heartbreaking, they're healing, and they're meaningful, and you don't feel like garbage at the end of mm-hmm. them. Like, you really, even though it's so sad, like, you don't finish those series feeling like you do walking out of the rise of skywalker yeah like it is so fulfilling yeah i i feel like as a like as like for writers or like for creators like the last thing you want to do is like make your reader make your viewer feel bad for caring you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) like you should you should care like you it should mean everything that you have connected on such a level to these characters and, like, want them to be happy. Because, like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it it probably does have everything to do with the fact that, like, you do project part of yourself onto it. And, like, you know, it's like if if Wanda can go through all this crap, like, 
you know, she, her and her brother were trapped with that missile for two days. Like, she can go through all this stuff mm-hmm. and then still come out the other side of it. Like, yeah. that means that no matter what you go through or, like, what I go through or, like, anything, like, we can overcome it. And, like, I I think it's so strange for people when people don't understand how you can put that much stock into media. But it's, like, it means everything mm-hmm. when you can see yourself yeah. like that. Well, if you go, like, you, you flip it around and you look at it from the perspective of the writers... Writers often self-insert. Yeah. And the problem with a lot of unfulfilling endings, like, for example, The Rise of Skywalker, no one was ever self-inserting themselves into Rey in that writing team, in that writing yeah. room. And nobody was Ben either. Yeah. They were self-inserting themselves into Poe. <laughs> I think, I, like... I, I do think that you can... <laughs> there's, like, two ways that it can go. It's it's that, like, you didn't see yourself as any of these characters, so, like, it didn't really matter, like, what happened to them. Like, maybe you yeah. still are only seeing yourself as Luke. Or you can take it the Lee Bardugo route, and I think it's that she has so much internalized misogyny and so much internalized, like, hatred that she punishes her main character, the reader... And kind of herself, because that's just how her mind works, I feel. Yeah. And it has been interesting to see, like, maybe she's kind of coming out of that. Do I trust it? No. Um, But (laughs) I I definitely think that that's, like, two ways where it can go, where it's, like, either the writer truly believes that, like, there is no happy ending and, like, this is the way that it has to be, which is really sad, or, you know, they just didn't see themselves in that story, so maybe they didn't see how it was going to be taken by people who did Mm -hmm. and that's why like representation in the writer's room is also so important Mm -hmm. because you get shells of characters if you don't have a diverse writing room yeah i mean it just you get characters where it's like this could have been anything or like it just didn't mean as much like I, I wonder about that going forward, like, with some Lucasfilm projects, um, mostly just because of how season two of Mando wrapped up, because, um, like, we weren't as into it. It was kind of strange. Um, but I will definitely say, because of WandaVision, the bar is so high, <laughs> especially for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. My bar... It's going to be a different kind of show. Yeah. It's, like, I think you need to go into it with expectations that it is totally a different that's very true it's like gonna be a buddy cop this is very true they probably won't be gay but like they they should be (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't know who's in the writer like 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 wandavision throughout the series we kind of like got to know like the different Mm -hmm. the writing team a little bit more um but it's nice to know that kevin feige puts a lot of importance on that writing room and, and having like a big group do it together I'm laughing because like um, who would have thought those words would come out of your mouth <laughs> no i know and like i i forget who i said it to but after the fin- the wandavision finale i said what if kevin feige producing star wars is a good yeah thing? you said that to me and i was like whoa <laughs> What if that's a good thing? What if we were all freaking out about nothing, but he's actually going to put together yeah. 
a great because like he's only producing and and as a producer you're that person who's putting together that team putting together the budget putting together you're the big you're looking at it as a big picture like he can pull people from the wandavision team to do whatever his star wars project is i just remember everybody saying like we don't want star wars to be marvel and like now after wandavision it's like maybe i do like I don't know. Maybe they've got something going. It's not that I want Star Wars to be Marvel. It's that maybe they're actually understanding storytelling a lot yeah, more. Yeah, like they're they're it's on not, to something. I think I I think when people are scared of we don't want Star Wars to become Marvel is the way that they come out so often. Yeah, it's very they, saturated. Um, they're very blockbustery, which like Star Wars, of course, is blockbustery. But I don't know how to explain it in the sense where it's, like, an intimate... It's, like, especially, like, the original trilogy is a very intimate story. Well, the, the cast is a lot smaller, with, like, in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. Um, like, I think people are afraid that if Star Wars became, like, Marvel, you would get a movie, like, Solo every single year about, like, every single character, which... I don't yeah. think is how they would p- now. Like, look at us. I don't think that's how Kevin Feige would play it. Like, <laughs> I, I, but I think that Lucasfilm is kind of playing it like that with their TV show yeah. slate coming. Yeah, up. like what is this Lando series coming out? Like, <laughs> I, I want it if it's Donald Glover. Like, but I, like, do I want? Yes. Like, do I want a Lando series? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do actually. <laughs> um, and even better if it's with all oh, three. Of like, it's, like, a prequel series with all three, like, To me, there, to there's, me. like, only like, two yes. types of Lando series. There's, like, Lando before L3 or Lando after L3. And it's, like, why would you tell Lando after L3? <laughs> yeah. Like, and and I do, I think we were talking about, like, they, they did announce who the writing team is for Lando. Yes, and it's exciting. It's, um, Dear um, White People. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, that that series is not the one that I am, like, specifically <laughs> calling out when yeah. I'm, like, saying it's, like, Marvel. Like, I'm kind of looking at you, Ahsoka I'm show. I'm looking at you, Rangers and, of the um, Republic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I do think when it comes to standards, like, Marvel is, is setting it high, um, especially when it comes to Disney+. Plus. Like, this standard is insane. Um, and you can also see that translated to... Um, Percy Jackson is going to have the same type of budget. Yes. Like, I <laughs> cannot believe these Percy Jackson dreams are coming true. <laughs> the crazy thing is I have a lot of faith going into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Me too. I am, like, optimistic about it. And it's obviously going into WandaVision. I was like, WandaVision is the one that I'm most excited for out of the three. WandaVision... Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. But now, like, that WandaVision's done and it exceeded all of my expectations, I am, like, so curious, like, how these other two shows can also exceed my expectations. Because I think they will. I, I think I, so, like, too. I think they will. Yeah, I remember when Loki was announced and I was kind of like, whatever. Um, but that was before we became Loki stands. Um, we are Loki stands now. <laughs> and saw and saw some trailer And saw footage. some trailer footage, yes. Um, the trailer, yeah, it looks like, good. <laughs> Loki is a very interesting character, and I, I think if they really go into it, he is kind of like a Wanda character a little bit. Um, and yeah. it's a like you, really I mean, interesting premise, you know? I would love to see them explore some of what he's gone through, especially, like, with the grief in... Thor 2 and Dark World. Mm-hmm. I think 
the only scene in Dark World that like I even care about is when he gets the news about his mom. Is that one? Yeah, is that one? Yeah, it's just it's really well done. Yeah. yeah, and like when it comes to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I wasn't ever like super into it, um, and that was because like I. The first time I saw Winter Soldier, I didn't like it. I know that's blasphemous. Everybody likes it. Even yeah. even watching it again, like, it's kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. But I love, I love Sebastian Stan and Anthony. <laughs> Just wow. They love to bully Tom Holland also. I, could you imagine if Tom gets to, like, make a cameo in this show or something? Like, that would have been so funny. But they have such good chemistry and I feel like even if they aren't gay for each other, like, it's still going to be, like, such a feast. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just don't want them to do, like, what they did to Poe and Finn, where they, like, baited and then completely walked back on yeah. it. I think a lot of people are preparing themselves for it to be baited, but then for Bucky to end up with um, Agent 13 yeah, but, like, the the problem is, is, like, yeah, sure, that, like, couples counseling scene was, like, funny, and it was, like, great, but, like, if they lean too hard into the baiting, like, that's a really bad It look. is. So, I definitely think that is something to watch out for with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going for that show, and I, I hope... I kind of feel like we're in the same position that we were with WandaVision, where it's like, there's so much potential here, but it it does all come down to how it's executed. And, like, with WandaVision, it was executed perfectly. Like, Wanda is probably my favorite character now, for sure. Yeah, same. Same. I am beyond excited to see what's going to happen with her next. Like, she, like, God is a woman and her name is Wanda. <laughs> Me like really looking forward to Doctor Strange two, <laughs> and both of our opinions on Doctor Strange one are this movie is hella boring. Yeah, boring. It's like, like yeah. nothing happens. Remember, in this it's so movie. funny because like the first time I watched Doctor Strange, I remember liking it, but I only watched it once. Yeah. And then like <laughs> it's like it's not a bad. But it is movie. so boring. It's boring. <laughs> there, he is not a good main character because Doctor Strange, like, it's not that he has no flaws, but he, he's kind of a Gary Sue. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm excited for that, for his movie in that I think it's going to be fun. It's going to introduce a lot of cool things. Wanda's going to be okay. in it again. Sam Raimi, like, Sam Raimi making this movie <laughs> is like a match made in heaven. I am so excited because it's going to be like, horror which sam raimi does but then also he also it's gonna be like uh, it's gonna be like the wacky horror like oh yeah like i don't know if you've ever seen any of evil dead movies no he is like the wackiest horror (laughs) director ever like that's so fun you should you should like check them out because like the vibe that we're gonna go into for doctor strange is gonna be very different and it's gonna be Different, like like we said, Guardians of the Galaxy changed things. WandaVision definitely changed things for the future. Gosh, like even Ragnarok, like going with Taika Waititi for Ragnarok mm-hmm. was a great choice. They're not like Marvel isn't pinning themselves down to a type. Yeah, they really like, aren't. Just because WandaVision did something completely different 
doesn't mean everything else is going to be like WandaVision and, and they shouldn't mm-hmm. because like there needs to be something for everyone. Yeah. I, I think that they're really, they're really nailing the fact that like lots of different people are Marvel fans, um, which I definitely don't yeah. think all Marvel fans understand. But that's also a thing that I feel like, you know, The Last Jedi brought in where it's like lots of different people watch Star Wars, but then because as you would get with anything, the fans backlash um, and it just, for some reason, Lucasfilm let that dictate them, whereas Marvel's just kind of like, okay, we just, we have so many things. We're just doing a lot of things. <laughs> um, you reminded me, though, um, speaking of directors doing wacky stuff, we also watched this movie called Down With Love. <laughs> How did we forget that in Rex? It was the best thing we've watched in like months. The, forget. No, no, no. WandaVision is the best thing we've watched in months. But forget like, get all of our other wrecks. We wreck down with love. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna tie this into Marvel because the director was Peyton Reed, who directed Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp, and also he directed two episodes of The Mandalorian. And he directed New Girl, which um, <laughs> which was also composed by the same composer as The Mandalorian. Like, Peyton Reed gets this around. This is amazing. Like, Peyton Reed, like, dips his toe into, like, everything that I'm interested in somehow. Yeah. Like, and I'm not even sure that he is the reason why I like all the projects that he's been involved in. Like, I'm not sure that it's, like, actually No, him, but, but I think it says there. something that he was part of those, <laughs> where it's, like, you know, if he's signed on to something, it's probably going to be, like, good. <laughs> or, like, it's going to be like that. It's not necessarily because he's there. I just, there. like, want to give him a nice little pat on his bald head and be, like, I, I appreciate the things yeah, you work um, on. If you want to see baby Ewan McGregor um, fresh off of Moulin Rouge uh, in this campy 1960s <sighs> movie where he... Sarah Paulson is uh, in it. Yes, um, Renee Zellweger, is that her name? Is yeah, she's like yes. the lead. I like I cannot believe this movie. I discovered this from TikTok. My FYP was like, hey, there's this movie, and then like this girl like showed a few clips from it, and I like let out a scream because it was so ridiculous. Like I was just like, Ewan McGregor, like what are you doing, sweetie? So I yeah. sent it to you. <laughs> Sent it to our friend Andy. Andy watched it and was like, this is incredible. And then we finally watched it. And it's just, it it's was incredible. amazing. It's a- it was like our personality <laughs> in a movie. It just, it was so perfect. Like, I, and like, I was, <laughs> everything, everything about it. It was an innuendo. It's all Every, innuendo. Everything. <laughs> Um, that scene when they were on the phone where the screen split, like, that is the single greatest thing that Peter Reed has yeah, ever done. Yeah, you want to talk about, we'll like, do. the peak of cinema. Was that the split screen scene. Yeah. Wow. Like, Peter Reed, you will never peak like that was your peak that scene, directing that scene was your peak. It's never happening again. And like, here's the thing, like, I feel like this movie is, like, such a, like, 
combination of so many great things happening at once because not only was Ewan McGregor fresh off of um, Moulin Rouge, but Renee was fresh off of Chicago and just like mm-hmm. the the way the this energy oh, the energy the energy like, <laughs> that movie was like such a like serotonin boost and then like so we watched that together and then we watched Cherry together and it was just like <laughs> completely opposite <laughs> which is so ridiculous because like Tom Holland but like listen the Ruth the Russos don't understand that like Tom Holland is a very attractive man clearly it's like yeah. when we said we wanted to see Tom Holland's ass we did not mean from the inside <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys like you guys can decide if you want to um look into that yeah we'll just leave, we'll just leave you probably that there don't. um but anyway bringing it back um I think we've kind of wrapped up um, everything with Wanda. Like, we truly love her because she was allowed to have, like, so much room for that grief. I think it's amazing when you can have that kind of character where you can really see yourself in them. You can see them going through all of this stuff. And just to have the space to, like, grow and develop with it is just so spectacular. And, like, Wanda and Vision is, like, such a true OTP as well. Mm -hmm. Just yeah it's amazing and i i've i've said this about other episodes we've done like especially the willow episode it is so great to talk about something we enjoy yes. it is like nothing yes better. it is such a good thing when you can like have this joy and like i really do hope that like we can get that with falcon and the winter soldier i hope that um mm-hmm. oh we didn't even mention this either alex is reading chaos walking um, not Chaos Walking, Chaos Rising. No, not Chaos Walking. Not Chaos Walking. Yeah. Chaos, Chaos Rising. Rising. So we might finally be able to talk about Hot Thrawn on this channel. Um, so, you know, things are hopefully looking up with with Star Wars. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. it, it was just amazing to talk about. And we will probably continue to talk about more Marvel, um, probably more in this kind of character-focused type of mindset. Um, I'm not sure... Who we'll talk Mm -hmm. about next or where we'll go. Um, But that's definitely something that you guys can look forward to. Um, Is there anything else you want to add about our dear girl Wanda? No, but I was going to say, like, lipstick and lightsabers is sticking around, but we are expanding what we talk about. Yes, definitely. definitely. (laughs) I mean, if you guys have anything in particular that you think that we would like that we haven't seen, too... Like, I would be down to blind watch a movie. <laughs> like, yeah, like maybe we should have done a Down with Love episode. <laughs> That's a lipstick and lightsabers after dark thing. After dark yeah. episode. Maybe yeah. we'll do a lipstick and lightsabers after dark about cars when we finish watching cars. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Don't get me started with cars because I don't stop. <laughs> like, I don't, like, you You can't do this like, to me. This episode isn't going to end. I know, end. this episode won't. Listen, I am not a furry. <laughs> Alex is not. But. She is not some weird obsession. I am not a gearhead. <laughs> but. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, that is going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, if you want to keep the conversation going, if you want to recommend anything to us, um, we are pretty much always on Twitter. You can find us at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.